0: Episode of Stricken Roll. This is episode three. Uh, I am joined today by a first time guest, uh, I believe on any of our pods. Uh, it is Simon. Uh, he runs the Shot Quality account on Twitter. Simon, what's going on?
1: Not much, not much. Yeah, yeah. The Shot Quality account, uh, I get a lot of hate whenever I post a score that uh, I, I, I think I was compared actually to the Democratic reaction of the twenty sixteen election. Four days ago, you saw saw that, that. yeah. After I posted the next score, the next expected score. Um, (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's funny to be introduced based on my Twitter.
0: (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, I have to make the announcement of all announcements. uh, The one I make every single episode. Now Uh, we at the Strickland have a Patreon now. Uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash the Strickland or on our homepage at the strick.land pot Strickland on Mondays will remain free draft Strickland is free. Alex, Zach, and Matt's mail. Bag week is free. Uh, and we will likely be adding another podcast to the lineup, which will also be free moving forward. Things that are changing Pod Strickland on Friday with me and Prez and my mailbag with Jeremy and drew will be on the $6 tier and above uh, my solo pod Uh, We'll be on the $9 tier, but the reason to actually subscribe to that tier is not to hear more of me ranting and raving. It is for exclusive weekly articles from Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best writers around in the Knicksverse. If you want even more access to us, you can join the $15, $30, $50, or $100 tiers, which include many benefits ranging from watch parties, sitting in on pod recordings, guest appearances on podcasts, and even hosting a podcast yourself where you can tell me, I am a jackass. Uh, no matter what, if you are a Patreon or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And we're going to start talking about the Knicks now. I, I wanted to have you on just because there's been a lot of there's a lot going on with the Knicks right now. Um, they're seven and four, but it doesn't feel like everybody is. I mean, it it's still okay. They're seven and four. I think that they've gotten off to a pretty decent start. Uh, I, I think that it's hard to square that away with the, with the feeling that they, they could even, they could be even better. Um, and you know, some of that is the defense has clearly slipped. Um, but I I mean, I think this is obviously your kind of expertise, but like I want, I feel like some of these games are just, I, I hate to boil it down to this too, but it's like you know make or miss league and i feel like some of these games are just you know i mean you just get unlucky sometimes and like sure there's stuff like you know we saw with cleveland um you know is there something to the idea of like well if guys are constantly getting into a rhythm against you maybe that's something it says something about your defense and it's not just luck but like i don't really know what to make of it when ricky rubio is literally playing like Steph. Um but I guess, like, what are your thoughts? I mean, is there any way, like, I guess here, here's a better way to start this is, like, when you're measuring shot quality, is that just based on shot location and, you know, uh, like, how is that being measured, I guess? Absolutely,
1: yeah. It's based off the most important part of the coverage. It's based off the individual player's shot-making ability. So when Chris Paul takes an elbow jumper, it's a really good shot. When Alfred Payne takes an Alfred jumper, not a good shot. When... Frankie smoke six an elbow jumper. That's a hundred percent shot on the shot quality album every single time. Um, so all the numbers are individualized depending on the player's effectiveness on that shot type. um, so it's really incorporating the shot selection and the shot making ability of the player.' like the two parts of the calculation
0: okay okay so so but so there but there's it does it calculate in like obviously we know there's a difference between uh you know generally speaking catch-and-shoot shots are better yep. than yep. pull-up shots. Uh, so is that is that baked into this also?
1: Absolutely. So, like, it's based off the historic performance on that player taking that shot. So, for example, the Knicks this season are basically expected to shoot 43%, actually, on catch-and-shoot threes so far this year, just based off who's taking it, how open they've been. And on off-the-dribble threes as a team, they're expected to shoot... Um, This is 1.07 is 35%, 35 basically, on off the dribble threes. And I I was actually looking at the stat before before we started talking. Um, They're third in frequency of off the dribble three-point shots and 24th in catch-and-shoot three-point frequency. So I think that's kind of an interesting discrepancy because people are talking about how the Knicks are taking so many more threes. But in reality, it's about the threes they're taking. I mean, we have great off the dribble three-point shooters like Fournier. Randall's pretty solid um is obviously improving up uh, but when you're not getting that open catch and shoot three as much as like the top teams are like the jazz that's gonna hurt the shot quality um but obviously if you're hitting a lot of if you great shooters taking off triple threes it'll be well um for, obviously
0: yeah and i i think that's pretty interesting because um you know i mean tibbs has talked about this a bunch but and I think this is also where some of the frustration comes in because there are a lot of possessions where you watch it and you're like, like, that's an okay shot. Could you have gotten a better shot? It feels like there's a lot of possessions where the Knicks could do more to kind of get a better shot. Um, I thought in the last game against Philly, there were a few instances where, especially in the fourth quarter, it felt like, like RJ had decent looks from three, but if he had made one more pass, he, it probably would have been a great look for like Kemba or whoever it was, uh, wide open on the perimeter. And this is obviously not just like an RJ problem, but I think it's a problem like all these guys, right? You know, Kemba, Fournier, RJ, Randall in that starting lineup, these are all guys who like are shot makers, right? Essentially, like these are guys who are in their own heads, like in their mentality. I think they, they view themselves first and foremost as scorers. Um, And that's okay, but, like, it means that there will be growing pains because you have to find that balance. And I think Kemba is actually probably the guy who struggled with it the most um, just because it seems like he's, like, aware that he has to make a sacrifice, but his way of doing it has just been to, like, give the ball to Julius and then clear out to the side and, like, not actually doing things. And it, it also feels like he's, when he is looking to score, it's like, he's almost like only looking to get the pull up three and then it's you know he very rarely is comfortable pulling up inside the arc now it seems and he is very very infrequently getting to the rim uh i don't know if that's stuff that you measure but like i mean yeah. does that show up in your numbers and all these kind of things or is that you know not so much
1: oh absolutely absolutely do um I mean, what I find so fascin- fascinating about the Knicks and really the ball handlers, like you just mentioned, they're all shot makers and they they want to be. They have the mentality of being a shot maker. So the two parts of the Knicks' offensive scheme that's going to suffer due to that is obviously there's going to be a good amount of isolation. So they're eighth in isos. And then there's going to be less catch and shoot threes, which I brought up. And there's going to be less cutting opportunities. So like cuts are usually like assisted plays. Right. And just because of the offensive scheme, we're like, okay, Julius, I mean, Thank God he's not doing it as much this year, like, that step back deep long, too. Um, obviously, it was a decent shot. And, like, it, it, in the Hawks series, obviously, that kind of got uh, exposed a little bit when he, when there would be that soft double with Clint. Uh, but whatever. Um, yeah, just, like, finding ways to get more assisted uh, shots, I think, I, f- I feel like it's got to be, like, a change to the offensive scheme. Like, I do love, um, I do love the change and the evolution from last year to this year it's kind of crazy how big of a jump they've really made in three-point attempt rate, but it's really about the, the type of threes they're getting is um, what I think is even more important than just taking a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Tim just talked about that. He talks He's about talking, that all the time. Yeah, he does. Talk about that he always talks about that. You know, you want to get good threes, not, you know, you want to get good threes or great threes. You don't want to just take X amount of threes and that be that, you know, have that be it. Um, I wonder. Uh, you know, some of it is kind of interesting. Like by your by your numbers, are the Knicks are they underperforming from three, like percentage wise, or yes. and and yes. also like are they be- getting a bit unlucky defensively uh, from in terms of opponents shooting from three?
1: No. So offensively, they're expected to shoot three percent better than they are right now. So they're shooting thirty seven percent from three currently. And they're expected to be shooting 40% as a team based off how open the shots are, who's taking it. Um, So that's good. So obviously there's some positive regression in that sense. Um, Also on mid range, they don't take a crazy amount of of mid range, but uh, they're right now. They're currently shooting 37% on mid range and based off the quality of shots and who's taking them, they're supposed to be shooting 42. So that's a little bit good positive regression. However, on the opposite end, um, like we saw a little bit last year, uh, the Knicks' three point defense right now is 36%, uh, yeah. like a dope defensive three point percentage. And teams right now expect to shoot 39. So that is a, like a 3% difference. I guess it equalizes the offensive 3% difference. Um, so, in summary, they're not, I think they're playing right at as they should perform through the 11 game stand. And it's not, and it's so fascinating because when you take this many threes, there's just going to be so much volatility and variability in how much you score. and how different the shot quality looks to the actual score um, just because you could have those games where you shoot 10 percent, fifteen percent from three uh, but overall from a team standpoint, I think they're literally right where they should be um, from a shot quality to an actual record standpoint.
0: yeah, it's funny uh, just like you know i I don't have the numbers that you have, so this is just my kind of you know looking at it more on a broad scale but the Knicks are what fourth I think in offensive rating right now uh, in the NBA. Check that, but uh, it it's kind of funny because even though they have scored very well overall, like I mean, you look at the individual production, and you know, like really, there's probably more upside here than than even like their current standing suggests. Like, I mean, you would think, okay, they're fourth in the NBA. How much better can they actually get on offense? Um. I think the answer is like maybe quite a bit because if you look at it, like Julius still hasn't really like, it's kind of crazy to look at his numbers and be like, he hasn't really like found a consistent rhythm, but like, yeah, I mean, I know he's putting up 22 and 11 or whatever, but like it does feel like it's been a little bit disjointed. Uh, Kemba's obviously shot great from three. I would say the volume hasn't really been that impressive. Um, So that's something, but like Fournier is not shooting, uh, at the level, his overall efficiency isn't at the levels that he's been at over the last few years. Um, RJ is at 35% from three. Maybe that's, you know, like I know that there's always a debate about how good of a shooter is he really. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I would, I think that he's probably closer to like 37, 38. Yep, uh, I totally th- agree. That's, that's, I think
1: that's his expected three point percentage. is actually 37, 38 on like the algorithm. Yeah, so like,
0: like you know, maybe he's not going to shoot the 40 Close to 41% he shot last year. Um, but 37%, 38%, really good for a player like him. Um, you know, I, I think, like, quickly has been, you know, he hasn't made a shot. Like, he he's just kind of getting into some kind of three-point rhythm the last few games. Uh, but he's still way below what you would expect. Obi has been ice cold. I think he's going to shoot it better as the season goes on. Um, and, yeah, like, I just, I kind of, like, look at this team and really, like... I don't know I mean, I I I look at it and I'm like I mean other than Kemba and Rose is there anybody that's been like you know super on it from 3 and it doesn't really feel like it which is crazy because like I said they're fourth in, they're they're basically they're tied for third essentially in offensive rating. Uh both them and Miami have a 112.6 offensive rating according to basketball reference. Uh funny enough the Sixers uh 114.9 leading league and Utah at 113.5 in second. Um yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like really interesting to think about it because like I said, like, I don't even think that they've had some like crazy outlier shooting. And in a lot of ways, I think that they're probably due to, to have like a big three point shooting game soon. It just, it seems like it's been, I don't even know the last game where you'd be like, oh yeah, they just totally went off from three. I, it, it feels like it's been a little bit. And, and, um, you know, this is the thing with like three point shooting teams. If you up the volume, you're going to have stretches like that where you, you, the shot isn't going. And like, obviously, we know uh, if you're not making threes, it bleeds into it impacts other areas of your, of your team's performance, right? Defensively, transition defense, all these kind of things. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess just like, what are your thoughts on that? Because to me, I, it still feels like there's a lot of room for progression offensively which is kind of stunning to say
1: well this is something that a friend of mine actually brought up and wanted me to talk to you about on this podcast so the trade-off between Evan Fournier and Reggie Bullock so it's so obvious that Fournier is a better overall player but I think there could be an argument made that Reggie Bullock in the regular season might be more valuable than Evan Fournier in the regular season I think 100% in the playoffs, Fournier, because he's a shot creator. You can't put Trey Young on Evan Fournier. So in the playoffs, it's a totally different story. But basically, Reggie Bullock was told to stay in there, hit catch-and-shoot threes, uh, and he would nail it at a great rate, and play lockdown defense. And that was kind of exactly what the Knicks needed, like an off-ball guy exactly like that, just to literally take spot-up open threes. Obviously, Fournier can do that as well, but the trade-off trade-off, I think Bullock is definitely a significantly better defender. So what do you think about that almost being, like, even though Fournier is such a better player, I think right now in the regular season, that might be more, do you think that's even slightly
0: of a net negative? Or not at all? Uh, I think this is, like, uh, I think this is an issue that's kind of raising its head and a lot of it has to do with like. let's be honest, Kemba Walker's been bad. Um, and the thing is, uh, you know, even if you expected the defense to regress, um, you expected more dynamic scoring from the backcourt would offset that. I also would say that to some degree, I think the defense, I wouldn't say they're getting un I would actually, I would, I would say they're not getting unlucky on defense, but I do think last year they got a bit lucky at the start of the season, which was obviously a source of much discussion at the time with teams missing open threes. I mean, I looked it up the other day, um, The Knicks are basically giving up, through 10 games, they had given up 219, I think, uh, wide-open threes through 10 games. Not a good number. Last year, through 10 games, they'd given up 222. Uh, But the difference is teams were weirdly shooting 33.3% against them from three on those wide-open shots, whereas this year they were shooting 41%, uh, which is a massive difference. Um, Here's the thing. Uh, I... We'll see what happens with Kemba. He, he deserves a little bit more time. He's making an adjustment. He he talked about it after the uh, the Philly game. But if he's not going to be an active participant offensively, if he's not going to look to attack, to create advantages, to, to be the guy, I mean, we don't need him to be all-star Kemba Walker, but he needs to be a guy who's looking to attack. And he's just been really way too passive at times. He's walking the ball at the floor, so we're not really getting into transition stuff very often. Um, He's been bad. And what that does is it also puts a focus on the issues that Fournier has defensively where he's... uh, I I, I tend to think he's actually like a pretty decent team defender, um, but he's not the quickest. He's not as quick as Reggie, probably, defensively. Uh, I think he's a little bit less uh, consistent in terms of making the right rotations and effort. Uh, but it's it's really becoming more of a glaring issue because you're not getting anything out of Kemba. And uh, I would say this. I, I think something to consider uh, is, in hindsight, uh, whether the Knicks would have been better off not signing a point guard and just playing IQ at point. Uh, because... I think one of the primary issues that starting lineup has defensively uh, isn't so much the Fournier stuff. It is, it's the point of attack defense hasn't really been good. And I, I don't think that's specific to Kemba. There's been a drop like Mitch isn't back at his level. Um, I think there's also been like a bit of sloppiness in terms of, um, you know, guys aren't on a string defensively right now. So it kind of highlights how, how much of a liability at times Kemba has been. Um, can,
1: you, can you actually explain this to me? Because I, I, I don't get this. Um, I was just looking at the numbers on the site. Like, last year the Knicks were fourth in quality of shots allowed around the rim. So, like, they defended really well. And that was with Mitch being out most of the year. Mitch, like, people were talking about him being, like, the MVP of the team. Now this year so far, in terms of the quality of shots allowed
0: at the rim, they're 15th on defense. So, I'm assuming some of this would also be related to the fact that they've been pretty bad in terms of defensive rebounding um they're 20th right now in the league uh in defensive rebound percentage i don't know what they were last year i I can probably look that up um but 20th is not good and if you look at it a lot of these uh rebounds are giving up i mean the cleveland game you saw it it was a lot of like desperate you know mitch or noel or whoever trying to block the driver giving up uncontested offensive rebounds to Jared Allen or Evan Mobley or whoever. Um, uh, Prez had a tweet the other day uh, where he highlighted how poor um, Julius Randall's box out rate has been this year. That's been another problem. I think he looked a lot sharper in that aspect against Philly. The team in general looked a lot sharper, but these are not things you can just do. Like you have to be consistent with it. And the Knicks have yeah. not been consistent with it. Um Last year the Knicks were eighth, by the way, in defensive rebound percentage. Uh, they were at seventy-eight point six. I know that seems insignificant, but like offensive rebounds often lead to the highest quality shots. Um, yep, 100%. so
1: yeah, 100%. so, like so that, a, that probably is the difference, actually. Yeah. And do you think that's because of, uh, like is Merlin's Noel a better off defensive rebounder than
0: Mitch? No, 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 no. I I just I I truly think some of this is Mitch is a step slow. He's working his way back. Yep. yep. Uh. You can see that visibly. There are times he looks great, and then there are stretches where he looks like he's about to collapse on the floor and he can't even move. Um, Randall, I, I I, think he's really struggling to find... like Some of his offensive struggles, I think he's let that impact his effort and energy doing some of the stuff that made him so impactful last year defensively in terms of rotations, in terms of boxing out, uh, stuff like that. So I think that's something that he... I, you know he he was pretty open about it after that Cleveland game that he needed to b- bring better energy he needs to be set a better tone uh he did that against Philly he has to k- keep doing that uh I think and, and this is where I was going with it like quickly right now uh because there's been a bit of a drop-off on the back end defensively he might represent I mean not not much he is the next best point of attack defender on the roster uh he consistently fights over screens I think his defense has pretty seriously leveled up this year. Um, I know that the benches on off stuff is ridiculous. Um, like literally all of them have like crazy on off splits, but, um, to me quickly is a big reason why they've been really, really effective defensively with those bench units. Um, I just think they I need more never of thought it. of him
1: as, i never thought of him as like a defender like a pest like i obviously now he's like super quick just like the offensive end, like getting by his defender but i didn't even like really- like i thought he was a neutral defender i didn't think he would be our best defender
0: that's interesting yeah i mean i i've always thought he's i thought last year he was underrated defensively he came it's really weird like his reputation uh as a prospect coming into the n b a like if you look at the stuff at Kentucky, most of it has him as like, yeah, he's a good defender. He's a really good team defender. It's, all that stuff says it. And I I don't know why it happened, but it felt like last year he got labeled as some kind of defensive liability just because there would be times where, like, he'd get switched on. Like, I mean, he played the two, right? Like, he plays the two pretty often. So there are nights where he's just giving up size. And, like, sure, there are times that a a wing can, can bully him and, and take him down low. But, like, all things considered, it doesn't happen that often. And it's because he's got long arms. He's got a strong lower body. Um, His legs, if you look at him, he's very sculpted, uh, super thick. So I just think that, like, he's really underrated defensively. Um, And to your point about Fournier, um, I think, like, you know, I asked this question on the mailbag. I don't know if they answered it, uh, but I did ask it. In hindsight, uh, if the Knicks – because I do think that Grimes is ready to play right now, and I think Tibbs likes him, but he can't. He won't play him right now, right? Because he he's got no. he's got like he's he's got the ten guys that he, he expected to play coming into the season. He doesn't change. He's not not very malleable when it comes to lineups. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean I I kind of get it. Like he he look that he, he can't punt on Kemba yet. You know you can't do that. Fournier got a contract. They're gonna play him. Burks got a contract. He likes him. He likes ah, the that was
1: 40. that was the Burks was the one. I think they signed him. Did they sign him before they got Kemba? Yeah. That was the one that. Uh, that one bothered me a little bit like he was really good last year and we needed like that shot creator there but he's so like he's just a worse version of Pornier I feel like
0: yeah I mean so the thing with Burks is uh, like it was obviously pretty important to them to get specific type of contracts they wanted guys to agree to these two year deals right and and I think if if it was just all things equal I'm almost positive Bullock would have returned over Burks, but like, it wasn't, but got three years guaranteed. Burks took the two plus one. Uh, the other thing, I I think it's kind of, it's hard where, um, you know, they did sign Fournier. They clearly wanted that. It's hard to be like, yeah, we want you back, but also you're going to come off the bench now. Um, and we're going to replace you in the starting lineup with Fournier. Like I I know people like these guys are human beings. Like that, that, that's something that that could be very awkward in the locker room and i get why they you know why maybe that was a motive or not a motivation but a contributing factor for why uh they chose not to bring bullock back but what i will say is this like i think grimes i know he's barely played i've been very very impressed with him going back to summer league defensively like i I buy the shot too i just think the shot he's gonna shoot um but defensively for me it is
1: beautiful (laughs)
0: yeah yeah he's like I mean, I know there are a lot of younger Knicks fans out there, but if you never saw Allen Houston shoot, uh, yeah, just watch Quentin Grimes. He he he's got that <laughs> kind of shot. Um, but his defense is awesome. And again, I, I just this is hindsight, so I, it's very hard. It's easy for me to sit here now and say this, but like it would be interesting to see if you gave them truth, if you gave Leon Rose and World Wide West and all these you know the front up Brock Holler, you gave them truth serum. Uh, if in hindsight they would like to go back not sign Kemba and just roll with IQ Rose, and, you know, have you have deuce obviously there, uh, and then slot Grimes Like you would start IQ and then just put Grimes in the rotation for where IQ is currently. It'd be very interesting to see. I I have, I strongly suspect the Knicks would end up being a much more solid defense if they did that. Uh, I don't even think they would take a huge hit offensively. Maybe that changes because Kemba really gets it together. Um, but Kemba hasn't yet, and that's the entire thing. We have to wait and see, because if Kemba does get it together, then these the issue you initially brought up with Fournier, Like, I don't think that's as much of an issue then, just because the offense will be so good that we'll be like, okay, well, th- we can live with the defensive drop-off. And I do think the Knicks will end up being closer to uh, the top 10 defensively than the 23rd they're currently sitting in. Maybe that's just me being a homer, but like, I tend to th- to feel I I feel like Tibbs teams tend to pick up and improve gradually as the season goes on I went through and looked up like all of his teams that he's coached over the years um, and that's like a trend that played out over a lot of those teams so something to keep you know uh, track of Um, but yeah I'm I would be very very interested to see what you know if that is something that in hindsight they would like to do and i will say this if iq keeps playing at this level and he you know he gets back to making shots as he's been in the last few games uh, i think the passing's improved i think his ball handling's improved even if the numbers aren't you know eye-catching at this moment it would be very interesting to see what he could do with you know an actual chance uh getting consistent guard minutes on his team